You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How do you do, my friend? Cheerios. Happy Saturday to everyone. Guys, don't forget to order your gratuitous. It's delicious. Still got a lot of fresh green beans. Have we gotten uh, new orders? We've gotten a few orders throughout the week. Yeah. Now's the time, guys, because it's fresh. Yeah. It's fresh. Fresh. He does it right off the bat. And yeah. It's delicious. We've ordered a few. And we're going to be ordering. And then we want to go down there for the next harvest, right? Yes. That should be exciting. Probably like January. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. Should be fun. Setting them up with new wallets. That should be exciting. And talking to the old people to see like if they've been paying if attention. They, if they, still have, <laughs> if they still have their wallets. Yes. Yeah, so they still have their wallets. Well, last time they still did. Last time we went down. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, they did. They did. And then the goal will be to get like the, you know, the the general store there in town to maybe, right, to broker that deal. Yeah. To get them to accept Monero. Yeah. And then we have a local contact down there that we become friendly friendly with. I think the the pitch I'm going to make to the store is be willing to accept Monero and then I'll have somebody that can buy it out off of you for, you know, quesalas at any time if you want the quesalas. Just to try to start the just to try to start to naturally list. start the circular economy, unlike what was done in El Salvador, where they shoved it down. <laughs> but that, that's we'll save that's that for so our, our guest. Really, already bashing. Mark. We got Mark Falzone <laughs> coming on. We're excited to see how and his he, experience was. He just got back from El Salvador, right? Yes, he just did. So I'm looking forward, or everyone's looking forward to see how it went. Ooh. Yeah. The suspense, guys. The suspense. We got to go down there, though. We got to yeah, go down would, there ourselves. Yeah, I would like to you see. Know, I was thinking that, too, because we want to add other coffee farms. So maybe we do go into, you know, El Salvador, Salvador to see how it goes. Right? Then you'll just be complaining to everyone. Why is it so slow? Why is it so expensive? <laughs> Why is what? what? You'll, you'll probably have opinions, I guess, while you're there is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> opinions of what? Of Bitcoin the... versus Monero there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think anybody's really using it there. I mean, we'll, we'll hear from yeah, more. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear, hear more about more. that. So what, oh, privacy protests. I love how We've we just... going back we made, and forth with Guys, it. we're literally figuring this out now. You're, you're watching <laughs> us figure this out in real time. So what do we think? Have we gotten any new orders? Unfortunately, no, we have not. We have not. Okay. So I remember. Understandable. Well, we're thinking of pivoting it into just a meetup. I think a New so. York City meetup. No pressure, because I feel we're like... We're going to meet around the same area. Essentially, it already was a meetup, but we just gave it a cool name and trying to get people out there. We wanted to get a, a, you know, a speaker that was going to talk. But I don't want to drag somebody out here. Yes. And like we have five people in the privacy people. protest. I mean, there could be awesome, five awesome people, but yeah, we don't want to do that to you. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to happen so he bad. Had I had this in vision. It would be Halloween night. be magical. Magical. 
everybody in their anonymous mess. But you know, it's a it's a two way street, guys. I can't. You know, we need the people to step up and, yeah. and take the action. I I tried to to we lead, try, yeah. lead by example. You tried, you but tried. so we're we're not going to completely no, give up. Not. I think we we pivot into just a meetup at a bar near Washington Square because yes. that's where all the action is on Halloween. I mean, Halloween is awesome. In New same York time, City, so same place. Fun. You know. Come in costume if you want or don't, but you know it's an opportunity to show up anonymously to a Monero <laughs> meetup, you know, without looking like an idiot on the street. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. So people that are, are privacy oriented too. I want to keep it more open. Try to make it more open as well. Continue on with that branding, right? Yeah. Like, this wasn't just supposed to be everyone. about Monero people. Like anybody who uh, felt, you know, that there was an infringement with the actions that, that the United States took against Tornado Cash, where they essentially uh, sanctioned, sanctioned a tool, you know, and, and breached free speech. Uh, that, that, that's what was motivating us. So anybody who aligns with those, those uh, you know, ideals of code of speech, come on out. Uh, obviously, you guys are all Monero people, but we'll try, we'll try to spread the <laughs> word beyond that. You know, anybody else, uh, people in the Ethereum community, Pirate Chain, because I, I know there's always a couple of Pirate Chain people. They came out to the last meetup. They did. Uh, now's your chance, especially on Halloween. It'd be great. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. I think that's a good idea. There that's were fine. a couple of other developments that happened in the news that kind of pushed me towards it a little bit. Let's, well, might as well mention that now. Uh, we have Tony doing our news later. But yes, yeah, so if you bring up that Coindesk article, OFAC backtracks. But Tornado Cash Shankson's already set as a terrifying president precedent. So OFAC came out and they basically issued uh, an FAQ. It was in response to Congressman Emmer that had sent a letter to them asking them to basically make some clarifications on what the what the sanctions actually meant and covered. And so they responded with an FAQ, and the FAQ isn't really anything to you know to write home about. It's still very very vague and it just leads to uh more questions so let's see where do ofac reporting obligations apply to dusting transactions so they essentially said well you know yes they do but you know like you shouldn't really be too worried about it if you're one of those people i sent virtual currency to tornado cash but did not complete the mixing transactions or otherwise withdraw my virtual currency before tornado cash is august 8th how can i how can I complete the transaction or withdraw my virtual currency without violating U.S. sanctions regulations? And then they explain, you know, how how that can be done. You have to request a license. Can U.S. persons engage in transactions involving identified Tornado Cash virtual currency wallet addresses absent a specific license? No. U.S. persons are prohibited from engaging in transactions involving Tornado Cash, including through the virtual currency wallet addresses that OFAC has identified. If you have U.S. persons were to initiate or otherwise engage in a transaction with Tornado Cash, including or through one of its wallet addresses, such a transaction would violate U.S. sanctions prohibitions. So basically, they're, you know, they're still saying you know, if you interact with Tornado Cash, you're, you're violating the sanctions. So you know, it still stands that they're basically sanctioning the tool itself. What is prohibited as, as a result of OFAC's designation of Tornado Cash? And they say OFAC designated the entirety Tornado Cash for facilitating the laundering of proceeds of cyber crimes, including those committed by the Lazarus Group. And so, yeah, they basically want to say, you know, so if any, if you use Tornado Cash in any way, uh, you're still violating sanctions. You're violating sanctions. But what, where they did... St- 
step back is basically where where is it here in the they basically said we want to make clear that we're not violating we're not sanctioning open source software in general while engaging in any transaction with tornado cash or its block property or interest in property is prohibited for us persons interacting with open source code itself in a in a way that does not involve a prohibited transaction with tornado cash is not prohibited so they just want to make it clear they're not completely you know prohibiting the use of open source code and even tornado cash so you theoretically could you know post the code somewhere you can publish it you could publish it in a book but you just can't use it as a tool. So it's like, we want to be clear. So, because I mean, initially with the sanctions, it was so broad, it was like they were doing that, right? It was like they were literally violating. Uh, the basic the basic right to to publish code, which is a clear violation of free speech. Anyway, long story short, they did kind of back off a little bit in terms of how far they're going in terms of their infringement upon some basic rights. But they certainly obviously didn't go far enough. You know, they've you know they're they're violating people's fundamental right to privacy. They're violating people's right to essentially use a tool where it's just assumed that just by way of use of that tool, they're interacting with the they're, they're doing something illegal. They're assuming that anybody who's using this open source privacy tool is doing something illegal, which is you know the the essence of what we have issue with because what does that mean? Why should we be concerned about that? Because that's you know, it becomes analogous to Monero itself. It's not much of a leap to then say, you know, to make ban Monero and, and under the assumption that anybody that's using it is doing illegal things and essentially banning a tool. And I, I've, I've seen some people in the Monero community saying, like, why are we even touching this? Why are we talking about it? I mean, that's why. That's my logic there. You could disagree with it. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to me. I see people saying, like, we should just be ignoring it. Why uh, Howard Chu, who I respect, you know, as much as I could respect anybody in this space, the guy's a freaking genius. He's he's done amazing things for Monero with Random X and, and just in general. He's a, he's a ballast of the community, amazing individual. He's and maybe I'm just not fully understanding because it's tweets, but he was basically saying like, "Why are you barking up this tree? They're going after Tornado Cash. They're not going after Monero. Why are we even starting to talk about it in a way where they could, you know, start to associate one with the other?" I just look at it. I, th I think the best defense is offense. And, you know, I think we need to be ones, the ones shaping the narrative. We can't let them shape the narrative or wait and hope that they don't shape it in a certain way. I think we need to proactively shape the narrative. It can't be like they start, you know, saying Monero is only used for financing terrorism and for drug users. We can't, you know, wait for them to continue to say that. Rather, we need to start you know, framing it in the way we believe it should be framed, which is a privacy tool and privacy is a human right and start talking about it now, not not wait until they, you know, they they take some action and maybe they won't. But I think I think we increase our odds of succeeding by starting to frame it correctly today. There's my rant. That's part of the reasoning <laughs> as to why we're Transitioning, kind of transitioning away from privacy protests to just meet up. OFAC did back off a little bit, not really, but and then also the community in general is a little on edge. So let's let's take a baby step here. Let's just all get together and meet up and, 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 and talk about it and talk let's about talk these about concepts. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Maybe we get Howard to come out. Maybe. Get the, Maybe. Got to fly him out here. You got to fly. Yeah. 
That's true. So that's that. That's that. So anything, anything else to bring up for? Uh, uh, the week? Well, we have uh, uh, an interview coming up. Uh, we're editing it right now. It's with the Assemblyman Clyde. Yeah, so just did that last, last night. night. So very cool, dude. He's a New yeah. York State Assemblyman. He's he's probably the guy who's most on top of what's going on in crypto while being a New York state legislator. So he I spoke to him about the, you know, the, the New York state talking about potentially banning proof, proof of work mining, all that stuff. And we, we got into, you know, just crypto in New York in general. Like cool dude. He's a Democrat. Uh, so it's, it was, it was nice that he was willing to, cause you know, when I ran for Congress, I ran as a Republican, obviously, but you know, there was, it was, uh, we just talked as a uh, two, two individuals that care about crypto. He's awesome, dude. He's doing big things. Be on the lookout for that. We're editing it and we'll probably publish it end of this weekend, early next week. So be on the lookout for that. And yeah, I guess one more thing. Make sure if you aren't subscribed to our channel, subscribe. We need the love. (laughs) It looks like 50% of the viewers. We we did some research, right? We did some analysis. Most people that that view aren't subscribed. Yeah, 50% that watch it. aren't subscribed so which we were looking that's a good sign that yeah that, that is the, apparently that's that's something you want because i guess that means the channel's growing it's not just your yeah right. but we yeah i think so but, we but don't for, it to, for more, it to grow more we need people to then you know convert and subscribe so and hit that like like i don't know why you wouldn't you want to subscribe this is like another I mean, you example. watch it anyway like, <laughs> it's, the it's like community. you want to watch like... us but you don't want to help us like <laughs> come on just subscribe it will help us it will. Please it will do. help us help you. It will help us help you. Exactly. Yeah. So please make sure to like the videos. If you're watching right now, just hit the like. It doesn't take that much effort, my friends. <laughs> uh, and subscribe if you haven't, because it just helps us grow. Yeah. And all our other videos. So please do that. We will like, subscribe. Really, really appreciate it. Share, whatever. Where, whatever. I and mean, I guess with that, you have anything else that you want to say? I think for the most part, no, that's you've it. gone through your end yeah. and. You've said what you had to say for the week. So you're welcome, guys. <laughs> and with that, I guess we'll move on to the price segment. Let's do that. Let's do it. The Monerotopia Price Report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat peer-to-peer. Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well and there is still some sunlight before the winter sets in and you've all grabbed a coffee to get started with this report. In this one, I'm going to discuss the collapsing world economy, what are the global headwinds going forward and why the markets are lackluster. A little bit about the Ethereum merge. Now that is successfully done. Now what? And then move on to the technical analysis. So in the overall economy, in the overall macro economy, people are confused. The markets don't have a direction. All the markets are interconnected. There are a lot of macro headwinds. And until clarity is received on that front, market in short to medium term will tend to remain lackluster the way the way it is right now. So in terms of the broader macro, it's not fully priced in, in my opinion, because of a number of factors. I'm just going to walk through a number of factors I can think of. One is the strong dollar. And what the strong dollar does is it makes matters worse. It's good for the people living in the US because they can, you know, they can buy more for the same value for the same amount of money. 
so the good for the US shoppers and good for import importing within the inside the US and selling it domestically but it's bad for other countries and bad for other currencies because they are suffering so it kind of creates an imbalance globally and also the commodity prices are rising also in the US I believe and also in other countries around the globe everywhere and uh, talking about Europe one of the biggest economies the biggest economies in Europe is Germany as we all know and its natural gas has been shut off recently the pipeline has been cut the energy prices are north of 100% we haven't even seen winter yet and uh, in my opinion when the consumers haven't taken a hit on the energy bills and when that becomes visible consumer spending drops and uh, yeah it's going to create quite some problems and that's what germany is trying to take steps on right now but i don't think it's enough and on the other side of the globe we have countries like argentina sri lanka and pakistan you would see that argentina has just hiked the interest rates to 75% because the inflation is about 100% it's crazy i know in us it's still 10% but it's 100% and they are high, hiking the rates by 75% and they have taken a lot of loans like these countries from the international monetary funds and they have to pay them back with high interest for the coming years so certainly their economy is going to be slowing down and on the other side for example china they have as we all know we have a real estate crisis in china unlike many other countries they they like to save and 70% of their wealth is stored in real estate and the real estate market in china has become for the last many years like a ponzi scheme where home buyers pay up front to buy homes and before the project is even started the the developers the real estate developers start with another project and another project because of the people's money so people's money is stuck and chinese government is doing something about it uh, we don't have too much idea but this has been a problem this to keep an eye on so what i'm trying to highlight is there is a lot of things happening globally but the good news is that the unemployment numbers at least in the us has been low for the time being and what will give bolster to the markets going forward is easing inflation and uh, that is something we have to wait and watch and that's what the fed is trying to do i think in the coming next week where the expectation is that they might hike the interest rates by another 1% to bring down the inflation which may take a hit on the stock markets which may take a hit on the crypto markets as a whole and also because of this i happen to look at this one you can google this this is a nice article read world bank says the global rate hikes could trigger a 2023 recession and it has really some good points out here which you can take a look and going forward moving on the crypto markets so the september the month of september is going to be volatile having said that let's check the fibonacci retracement we know that the price of bitcoin has been trending in the range of let's say 17000 to 25000 in the last few months i'm just going to draw the fibonacci retracement over here from the low to the highs and just to check out the support levels that we have got and you would notice that we have been in this range of 78.6 to 0.5 and we are currently struggling in this range so until and unless we break out of something like the 22000 levels we going to just remain stuck and there is a possibility of a capitulation if the you know something like a black swan the stock market crashes by 30% a lot of things are happening so it's really hard hard to pinpoint what will be the next trigger but bitcoin has been showing tremendous support about 19 20000 and i find it difficult for it to break down 
if I go ahead, this is something I drew the last time, if you remember, the miners' health and which indicates the direction of the markets as a whole for Bitcoin. It has been strengthening, the RSI is low, and I think it's already quite oversold. So there is a possibility that certainly, yes, it goes to $16,000, $15,000, but even if that happens, that's a great buy zone. So I have not really changed my stance. I think it's still a great buy zone. I don't know the lows. This is a great price level to watch where the stock markets are dipping, but Bitcoin is just staying its stance around $20,000. And also another interesting thing to note is like for the last one and a half years, the transactions of Bitcoin is about 250K that you see here. The price is lackluster going from whatever, $70,000, $67,000 to down to $20,000. It's just operating around this, but there has not been too much change in the transaction count. That just shows that people are still using the currency as they supposed to be used. And also on the on-chain part, we are under capitulation. This is something called the net unrealized profit loss, which takes into account the actual price of Bitcoin versus the realized price, which is, you know, which kind of tells you if the overall Bitcoin hodlers are in net profit or a net loss. And right now, the, the overall Bitcoin hodlers are in net loss. That indicates capitulation. And that's also an indication of the lows for, the, for, for Bitcoin. Certainly can happen, we capitulate, but I'm not really faced at that. We're already at pretty much lows. And last but not the least about the XMR index, price index. We have been trending in a range. I, range. I just drew the Fibonacci retracement a while ago. And we are stuck in this range right now until and unless we break above this $180, $200 with good volumes. We're going to be in this range and uh, it's good for traders, but also probably a good place to buy for the long-term hodlers. I would say that another interesting thing is if I see the vertical line, this is the KST index, which is no sure thing index. You can look it up. It has just crossed, which tells me that there is sort of uptrend to come for Monero in the coming days. It's looking quite strong against BTC as well at the moment. And in terms of the volumes, it's still uh, lackluster. It's trying to pick up the volumes, but it's still, I would expect it to come back to 150 million where I can, you know, we can have more data points for us going forward. And that is all from my side. If you enjoy the price report, uh, that's great. I hope to see you all in the next prize report. Next prize report. And, uh, and thank you very uh, much. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you, a fungible. Well, I certainly enjoy the price yes, report. I always do. Too. I've been, I've been glued to, uh, you know, trying to see where where the where the price is going. Basically, the macro. It's just really, I don't trade. Like, I never trade. I mean, maybe <laughs> may, maybe back in the day, maybe that's why I don't trade anymore. <laughs> you know, I just accumulate, right? So we have we have our day jobs. We we get fiat once in a while. I put a little bit more in. Luckily, I haven't done that in a while. I'm just waiting for the right time to do it. So I've been watching. Right time. But it's just what a basic point I want to make though. It's been very entertaining just watching the macro. It's like crazy out there. Nobody knows what's going on. The market is insane. Inflation just keeps getting higher, right? I mean, it's. Yes. And we don't really know how high it is, right? Like those numbers that they put out. I mean, I, I doubt they're accurate. And you just see it out here, right? In the, in the real world. Yes. I mean, it's insane. Yes. Now, obviously, gas has temporarily come down because, you know, they're using all the gas reserves to, 
you know, to, to drive down the price of gas because there's, you know, an election coming up in, in November. <laughs> the so, usual spiel. But, uh, you know, how, I don't know how long that scam <laughs> is going to work. So things are, I mean, they've been crazy, right? For yeah, they've been now. crazy. But nothing gets years. calm. It just keeps getting it crazier just gets, and crazier. Yeah. And now year, it's transitioning it into, the, into the economy. It's just insane. So it's all about the macro. I mean, uh, is, is our interest, did inflation peak? If inflation didn't peak, then you know interest rates are going to continue to 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 rise, with you know the hope that they can fight inflation back. And you know, crypto, you know that's going to take the market, and crypto is just going to follow one hundred percent. Crypto is completely tethered to the to the larger market. It ha- it's it's it has yet to do what it's supposed to do, which is be you know an uncorrelated asset, completely tethered. And it really at the end of the day, it's just it's just simple supply and demand it's crazy i mean it's just so there's there's just you know way too much demand and not enough supply there's way too people have too much money too much money in their pockets the economy is overheated and there's just not enough it's too many people too much money fighting over too few resources in terms of what we currently have and so literally the only way the you know the government can can try to to fix this is to hurt the you know demand side, which is meaning they have to literally intentionally damage the economy. So it's like we need to go into a recession for things for things to quote unquote work out for what they're trying to achieve, which is basically lower inflation. So it's entertaining. Pretty I'm entertained. Well, apparently. <laughs> And uh, you know, uh, and just waiting for the right time. But maybe, maybe the low is already in. But I don't know. The macro seems way too crazy. I think it's going to go down, and it's, the market is going to take everything else down with it. It's just I don't I don't see how how we get by this one. So, you know, hold your cash, get ready. You know, <laughs> good ready. time to, to dollar cost average in is, is you know starting now is fine. But there might be a, a really good you know bottom moment. That would be my. And advice. so we wait. Or it could, you know, or I like I said, too many people also feel like too many people are waiting for this capitulation, so it just never comes. So there's that that that, that could happen too. <laughs> All right. All righty, let's move on to the guest. Let's move on another rant. <laughs> another rant. <laughs> the Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Aloha. Mark, hey. what's going on, man? Good to Thanks see you guys. It's been, uh, sorry, sorry I'm all hopped up on yeah. gratuitous coffee over here. <laughs> it just keeps talking. Exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, I, I, need, I was listening to um, earlier in the show, you're talking about uh, getting those green beans, and I'm running out of the, the coffee that I have. So my next purchase will be uh, the Monero coffee. Oh, uh, dude, on us, on us. Yes. yes. No, no, no. The, the whole fun of it is being able to spend the Monero. That is true. That is so. true. Yeah. You can, you can anonymously buy your coffee. Mm-hmm. You got you you to give us. up an address, but, you know, we don't send, share it, send that. it to your friend's house. The right, exactly. No one will know where you live. <laughs> What's going on, man? Well, it's funny. A while ago, I met you guys at Monerotopia, which was a fantastic event. And um, a lot of things have happened in my life since then that have stopped me from being able to produce the video and get it out. But it's coming out tomorrow. So for anyone watching, uh, the Monerotopia video is coming out tomorrow. But the funny part is, uh, even though I haven't seen you guys in a while, because I've been editing the video nonstop for the past week, 
It's like I haven't left. I haven't seen you guys constantly. So, so you're, what you're trying to tell us so is you're sick, sick of us. us. Even you, have, you <laughs> haven't spoken to us in, in a year. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a wild past few months, as you guys obviously know, is in El Salvador and experiencing what was going on down there, which uh, obviously we'll get to talk about today. But yeah, yeah. What, so what uh, was that your plan all along to kind of go back down there, check back in there and see what was going on? Begrudgingly, I kind of knew I would have to. When I left when I left uh, El Salvador the first time, if you saw my uh, video, I, I kind of fleed. I had to leave during a protest. Everything was in chaos and I didn't know if I'd ever be able to get back into the country. And I kind of assumed it's probably not a good idea for me to try. But as luck would have it, I actually was able to get a second passport in between leaving and going back. And I said, okay, well, if I shave my head and I use a different passport, maybe, maybe explain to everybody that's listening right now. Cause what, what, what went down? I know, you know, explain to them what, what exactly happened that day in terms of the government uh, making it uncomfortable for you. Yeah. So on my first, on my first trip down there a year ago, I went to document Bitcoin. And while I was there, uh, one of the citizens who was vocal against Bitcoin got arrested there was no warrant. It was a whole thing. And they have some strange rules. So one of the laws they have is that uh, fairly vague, foreigners cannot interfere with politics. What is Bitcoin in El Salvador? Is that political? Is me going and talking about it political? I went to a march and documented it. And I pulled a, I shouldn't have done it, but I pulled out a, a burning ottoman uh, from a ATM building, uh, basically. And is that getting involved in politics? What I found out later is that many of the the journalists, and I'm not talking about big journalists, I'm talking about very small individual outfits, their phones were bugged and wiretapped. And that came out in the news and was a fairly big, big deal. So I just didn't know what that would mean for me being down there, especially because I became fairly, um, my, my, social media became fairly big. So in El Salvador, everyone recognized me, people on the street knew who who I was. uh, And it culminated with me rushing to the airport because Naib Bukele's own uh, staff was tweeting videos of me out. So anyway, I I just didn't know what would happen. (laughs) Yeah, it it was... uh, it was this is obviously this is obviously your personality and you know you 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 right you not that you want these things to happen but you're i feel like you seek out this this type of environment right where it, it yeah happens. i just i don't know you're curious, I just, you're, curious. <laughs> you're, curious. You're, you're a journalist, journalist at yeah. heart you're a journalist yeah I, I was curious and you know my kind of thought process is you guys are bringing Bitcoin to this country to bring down crypto people. And you expect me not to show what I'm seeing. Correct. I'm just yeah, going to yes, show it. No, I yeah, love it. Nothing to be I mean, scared of. I'll just show it. You're just searching for the truth. You're searching yeah. for the truth. Um, but anyway, that's, that's sort of what happened at the beginning. And I just didn't know if I went back, what would happen. I didn't think any dram- anything dramatic. I just figured they wouldn't let me pass the airport. Right, right. So obviously, so you did get it. So you did get so in. You got it. <laughs> what happened? What do you have to report, man? What's the scene down there? Okay. There's so much to talk about. I don't even really know where to, where to start. You're actually going to be the first people that have heard anything. Uh, I've, I've been very quiet on social media uh, while I've been down there, but my overall, and we'll stop, we'll start at the top. My overall feeling of Bitcoin in El Salvador <clears throat> is that there's two separate stories going on. 
So one is the story of Nayib Bukele, the government using public funds to buy Bitcoin, privacy issues. But then there's also the other side of it, which is tempting for me to ignore, which is people down there who are actually using it positively. And it's making a, it's giving them opportunity that wasn't there before. And the reason I say that's easy for me and tempting for me to ignore is because the drama is where the, the, the likes are, right? It's, it's where the attention is. Uh, but, but there are people that are using it in a way that is beneficial to them. It's just do the mean, the, the bigger picture here is do the means justify the ends. And for me, the answer to that is obviously no, but the tool is there. And there is a small group of people that are using it in a way that is productive and is something that fiat and USD simply couldn't do. So we, we can touch on both of those things, but that's sort of the overall. Who's using That's the Bitcoin beach. And like, what, what are they, yeah, what, is, what is this use case you're talking about? That's actually is it throughout or specific areas. Um, okay. So I'll give you a very specific example. There's a producer down there, a coffee producer. So you'll like this story. Um, just a, a wonderful uh, man. And there are car- coffee farms in El Salvador that uh, basically accept Bitcoin or lightning transactions from people directly. So in the United States, someone buys coffee through lightning and it goes directly to the farmer. And this producer was saying that some of these farmers, it's not possible, they're such small quantities that they're not able to deal with the processing fees and the conversion rates of fiat currency. And in fact, in one case, or maybe even more, but at least one that I know of, a farmer was uh, in preparation of selling his farm and moving to the United States to become some menial janitor or something. But he didn't have to because he connected with this uh, Bitcoin coffee uh, group and now he can support himself. So th- that's one example that, you know, there's an argument to be made that there's better tools, right? You could say Monero is a better tool than Bitcoin and there's better tools available, but it does show you. And the sense that I got is that um, people will take whatever tool they have, even if it's not ideal, even if it's not the best tool and they, they make it work to give themselves a better life. And that to me is, is really wonderful and positive. Of course, you can't separate that from the baggage, which is the government spending public money and all these things that we can get into as well. But that gave me a lot of, um, I don't know, made me feel good (laughs) to see how they were using this tool in a way that actually benefited, uh, you know, regular people. So I guess I would say outside of the beach, which we know, okay, Mm -hmm. outside of the beach, there's small amounts of people throughout the country that I got the opportunity to meet while I was there who were genuinely warm and loving people who were using this tool because it was a tool available to them in a way that was uplifting. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm of two, you know, two, two takes with them. I mean, when it first happened when I remember when he came on Twitter spaces, basically the president came on and announced that they were going to be doing, it. I was like, I was blown away. I was like, I can't believe like I, much, you know, I, I thought it was amazing that, that he did that. I think it, it really helped push things forward. But, you know, as I've said on this show before, I just think it was done in the wrong way. Like you said, using public funds and basically mandating it. You know, that's mm-hmm. not the way we're, we're supposed We're here fighting for a world where technologies are allowed to compete freely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not trying to... Ma- fiat is is done by mandate. That's literally what the definition of fiat is. So we're trying to invent a world where people just opt into the best tool. So it's completely hypocritical to go about. But the same thing being said, it it did push help push the industry forward, and then maybe it will 
hopefully evolve into a, a more pure form of what it should be, right? And in fact, I, I can't imagine it doesn't just help crypto adoption in general, right? I mean, it's if people are there and now they've heard of Bitcoin and maybe they're using Lightning, maybe they eventually do find their way to something like Monero. So it's, it's going to help in those regards too. Yeah. And I'd say there's three other things to point out as far as the positives, the pros go. So one, it, I met with, uh, I, I can't say who they are, but it's an uh, economist uh, in the country. And um, they're not from El Salvador. They're from the region though. And he was telling me that he went through and looked at uh, the numbers that Panama and Costa Rica spends, the government spends on tourism, promoting tourism. And he was telling me that their budget was far beyond the budget of the full budget used by El Salvador to implement Bitcoin in their country. Uh, and he said that the tourism return over the past year in El Salvador has uh, bang for your buck been better than the tourism budget. But of course, it's not apples to apples because it wasn't meant, you know, it's not a tourism budget. It's a Bitcoin mandate that's forcing people to use it. But in terms of, uh, you know, at the end of the day for tourism, it, it has been good. People have been going to the country. Another big benefit of Bitcoin in El Salvador uh, that this uh, economist said is prior to Bitcoin in El Salvador, when you thought of that country, what came to your mind is, is murder, <laughs> right? Uh, is homicide. But now regular people, for example, in Mexico, school kids, you know, he's saying that there's a meme online of like a, a map of the region where people in Mexico, school kids were writing what they thought of the different countries. And for El Salvador, it's Bitcoin. So they've managed from a PR perspective to completely change the entire world's perception of their country, which for as Bloomberg, Bloomberg reports that they spent about $350 million dollars. Uh, on on Bitcoin's implementation, that's that's not a bad trade. To, <laughs> as far as no, PR. that that's yeah. a true, that's a, a beautiful way of looking at it. I mean, it, that's so true. How, how do you argue against that? Yeah, that's well, I guess the argument would be it's it shouldn't be your money. You know, the government should. Oh, be, I know, I know, but, it, but it's, it's yeah. such a difficult thing to do, right? If you if yeah. you're just setting out on that mission, how do we how do we rebrand El Salvador so it's no longer associated with just being you know one of the crime <laughs> capitals of the world? Obviously. Fixed crime, right? Not as easy, not as easy to do as said, but they managed to do it through this way. Yeah. It's that's an interesting take. Yeah. So how about the fact that, you know, the, the price has obviously plummeted since you know the country got involved and yeah. used their own funds. Uh, so is that taking that into account? That actually that the crypto that they the Bitcoin that they that the country holds is worth a lot less than what it was? I mean, and what what's people's reaction to that or it's not noticed nobody cares the fact that yeah, tax so, dollars were, were lost in that regard yes yeah, so that starts going over into some of the the cons and some of the obvious big problems with with their their implementation uh in the country so we actually don't know how much money was spent so it could be that no money was spent no tax money because there's no public oversight. The Bitcoin, if there is Bitcoin that was purchased, was purchased on Nayib Bukele's phone. We don't know where it's being held. We don't know the wallet address. There's no way to actually verify that Bitcoin was actually purchased to begin with. In fact, when you look at the um, article on Bloomberg, where I'm getting this number from, 350 million, which is how much they estimate, 
was spent on infrastructure, but also on Bitcoin itself. It says, the, like they show the chart and then under where it says source, it says Bukele's tweet, Twitter. So that's the source. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, when we talk about this, it, it's, it's sort of like playing pretend because we just don't, we just don't know. And what happens if Bukele passes away or retires or goes away? The Bitcoin that's on his phone, if there is any, what happens to it? Does that go to the country? We just don't know these these answers. Wait, really? That's crazy. Wow. So it's not... Wow. Really? It's that crazy? It's not like it's it, not has, it wasn't officially kind of... Like an official account. Purchased yeah. by... No by one knows where it's being held. No one knows if it's being held in an exchange or in a cold wallet and a hot wallet. There's zero information whatsoever. Hmm. And it's like not on the government books of like their... their you know, it's not being shown as being on their, their balance sheet of... There's no information. Wow. There's no internal organization or public committee that oversees it. There's no way to verify. There's there's absolutely uh, no transparency whatsoever. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's that bad. Which doesn't make sense because Bitcoin is completely transparent. So it's like the perfect thing where they could be like, and here's the Bitcoin, everybody. Here's the government's Bitcoin. You can see it. Here's the address that it's being held at. Right. right. And that's one of the things that's been very frustrating for me. When I was at Minerotopia, I think I mentioned this in my Minerotopia video coming out soon, but the hotel I was staying at, Samson Mao was there. So I'm, I'm staying right next to this guy and I'm thinking, okay, so here's this guy who's this big Bitcoin proponent who is basically responsible for Bitcoin in the country of El Salvador. And you're okay with the fact that Bitcoin is about verifying, not trusting and yet an entire country, millions of people because of you need to trust and not verify their leader who's forcing their citizens to accept a currency. And you don't know how much money. <laughs> it's just, it, it boggles my mind that someone who's into Bitcoin would not see a tremendous issue with that. Because for me, I'm, my video coming out on El Salvador and even just here, I'm very happy uh, and transparent and talking about all the wonderful positives that are coming out of Bitcoin in, in the country. And there are. But how do we miss these negatives? These negatives are pretty insane. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, the, the other thing that's not mentioned a lot, too, is the fact that Bitcoin in El Salvador, why, why, like I said, it was awesome to see. It isn't really the perfect breeding ground for it, naturally, right? Because, you know, the El Salvador is on is on the U.S. dollar, right? They're tethered to the the U.S. dollar. That's their currency down there, correct? Yeah, but you know, to, to push back about that, I think actually that's why it's, it's, it's actually a good idea. So no, in, inflation isn't super rampant. It's like, you, can, you know, Argentina, right? Like there's a place where like people are like, or Venezuela, right? Like I need to use Bitcoin. I need to use Monero because if I, uh, you know, if I keep my money in the, the you know, this currency for another day, I'm going to, you know, lose 10% of my value. So yeah. it's really in El Salvador, there wasn't that use case, real a natural use case for fleeing out of your, your country's currency into a, a better, you know, quote unquote store of value. That's yeah, I mean. that, that is true. You know, they don't have the issues of inflation. And uh, but I would say that they, they do face other issues that are unique. So, for example, I don't remember what the statistic is now, but uh, the vast majority of their country don't have things like IDs. So for them to open up a bank account and comply with American banking regulations, it's, it's difficult. So people don't have bank accounts down there. 
And the other part about this that's interesting too is if you think about, let's say, Venezuela or any of these countries, um, this, the, the government there, sometimes the centralized government, their money is their money. It's their rules. But with the American dollar, the government doesn't protect it. It's not theirs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, anyway, yeah. No, no, I, I definitely think there's, you know, 10 other reasons why, you know, uh, uh, ideally, uh, the people there would start using, you know, crypto. I mean, I, mm-hmm. and any country in the world will benefit from that ultimately. But some yeah. stand to benefit more, I think, when, when you true. take account inflation. Uh, yep. Like, you know, Guatemala, where we do our, that's also not the, the best candidate in terms of, you know, the case Salas, you know, it's not like it's like some currency, it's not like anything like, you know, the Argentinian peso or, you know, yeah. it's, you know, inflating like, like, like all, all fiat is, but not to like some crazy degree. Cool, man. I mean, so what, what do you, what do you think is next for El Salvador? Like you're, you're out there, you're down there, like exposing these things i don't know i guess there's i guess there's a lot of people in the bitcoin community that probably don't love what you're doing right yeah yes that's probably true (laughs) (laughs) i think that's unfortunate um but you think it's having a positive effect it's gonna help you know push things in the right direction or is like where's el salvador headed (laughs) well there's a few fundamental problems that need to be solved uh down there that haven't been solved uh and a, a lot of questions so for example just kind of a silly one. Bitcoin as a currency, as a tool, has elements of it that are that are quite good and elements of it that that aren't so good, right? So I'd say one of the elements of it that are good is as far as crypto goes, it, it seems to be fairly stable. If you put your money in Bitcoin versus any other coin, you likely won't do as bad over a long run as some other coins, right? That's a, It holds its value fairly well, though this market has been fun. But there's some elements of it that, as far as being a currency, have issue, right? So I went, obviously, to many places to try to spend Bitcoin. Basically, no one accepts it. <laughs> you'll, you'll have like one or two places that will accept it. Most people don't. However, a few of the big chains, chains do. So Starbucks doesn't, but Wendy's, McDonald's does. Now, they accept it on chain. Now, that's interesting. But Why? they haven't figured this out. Yeah. So when I went to Wendy's at McDonald's and I, I bought a burger on chain, very cool. But when you pay on chain with Bitcoin, it's slow. So what do you do? And apparently no one's thought this through. So I go up to the counter, I pay, I show them that it's sent. But of course, it's not going to show up on their phone. 10, 20, 30 minutes, <laughs> days, weeks, months. Why are they doing it on chain? Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Well, exactly. Does not work as cash on chain, like. Right. It just they haven't thought this through. So, okay. here's where it gets weird. Uh, and this is a question for you: Is Lightning Bitcoin? Uh, I mean, do do I? Well, I think you for for Bitcoin to work as is, you you need you you need Lightning. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, but unless you're going to change it, unless you're going to be Bitcoin Cash, or right? I mean, like. It, but currently, as Bitcoin technical technologically works, you yeah, know, it needs Lightning for it to function as cash. Sure. So I, I guess my, my question here is: the law itself says you have to accept Bitcoin, but what does that mean? Do you have to accept Bitcoin, or does that mean you don't have to accept Bitcoin, but you can accept Lightning? Is Lightning Bitcoin, or is it something that's categorically different that uses Lightning? So these are important questions because the law doesn't really give any clarity to this other than you must accept it. Right, now, right. what is weird is, again, if I go to McDonald's and I want to pay Bitcoin, 
are you going to tell me that you don't accept it on chain? Because that literally is Bitcoin. And if you do accept it, what does that mean? So in my documentary coming up on my return to El Salvador to, again, answer the question, whatever happened? Because we don't hear on social media. No one's talking about it. I remember when I went there the first time, everyone was saying on Reddit, on RBTC, our, our Bitcoin, excuse me, um, we're all going to buy $30 of Bitcoin to support else. It's been a year. Nothing's happened. <laughs> anyway, what happens? Do they accept it? And if they do, w- what happens? At Wendy's, they, they force me to wait there for, four, I think it's 40 minutes before they give me my food. Wow. Waiting for it to clear. Yeah. Wait, Another you- place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like starving. Um, they waited in the multiple. <laughs> okay. Uh, McDonald's just let me take the food. But I can do replace by fee. I could have scammed McDonald's out of the the cheeseburger that I got. Not that I would do that. But these are important questions because if you're going to sell like a motorbike and you're, you know, a small shop, they send the Bitcoin network slow because the entire world is using it as a reserve currency. Does that motorbike business just get screwed? They have to let me take the bike or do they force me to wait there for a few months and give me a little (laughs) apartment? So, I mean, these are questions that just haven't been answered. And I don't think that even the government there knows about this. Because the sense I get is that they saw the positives and people like um, Stacy and, you know, these big Bitcoin influencers that show all the positives of Bitcoin probably weren't transparent in some of the cons. Because if they were, this stuff would be in the law. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a few that, that know what's going on. Obviously, the president knows what's going on. The guy knows Bitcoin. But yeah, I would say the vast majority don't understand it on a technological level. Uh, but yeah, I, I just assumed it was all lightning that everybody was using down there. No, yeah, you, you all use Bitcoin. The, the Chivo wallet, right? Isn't isn't everybody using the Chivo wallet? No, I mean, some people have Chivo. Some Do people stores have- use Chivo. Is that is there like a? Uh, so it depends. Again, there's very few places that actually take Bitcoin. The ones that do, some use Chivo, but most of them are using a banking app by their main bank. And basically, it allows people to accept Bitcoin, and then it just deposits its, uh, deposits as fiat in their personal bank account. And it's just a QR code. It's not actually using... Like, the person is not actually accepting Bitcoin. Wait, what is... That's not Chivo? That's some, what is that? That's, no, it's a ba- some it's local a bank. bank makes their own app that just does it oh and all banks or it's just like a specific no no, you're saying most people are you okay yeah and so but like when you say most obviously most people aren't accepting it so theoretically though you could go into a place right did did you do this and say like demand them to accept it because (laughs) according to the law take my bitcoin you went to a hotel hotel, like i'm staying here tonight and like you accept bitcoin like no like no you, you have to take it like you could, yeah. I mean, would have been an interesting <laughs> thing to make a scene over, right? Yeah, call, call the police. <laughs> yes, be the worst <laughs> kind of tourist. Right here. Yeah, be the worst. Here's the law. What are you doing? Come on, Article Seven. <laughs> well, I would go to places, and obviously, I'd want to pay in Bitcoin. And if they wouldn't accept it, I'd ask why. And you know that. See, this is the big question, right? When I was there the first time, the law. Some people want to fight me on this. I don't know why. The law is explicit. You must accept Bitcoin if it's presented. It's not an option. Mm -hmm. Now, the only workaround is if you happen to be someone who doesn't have the technological means, as in you don't have electricity, you live in a rural area with no internet. But if you have electricity and you have Wi-Fi or cell reception or the ability to get it, like 
Starbucks, for example, you must accept it. And last year I was wondering, well, what happens if you don't? Yeah. And the the precedent that was being set was scary because they arrested that Mario guy. So I figured, well, maybe they're going to be, you know, but that's been the big question is what happens. And it looks like after a year, it's just a law that has zero enforcement and it's just not taken seriously, but it's a law. So what happens if they do start taking it seriously and they do start, you know, so anyway, the, the, the best way to describe Bitcoin in El Salvador, again, besides that small group of people who are actually using it, but they would have used it without it being forced, is it just kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really gain natural organic traction. No. Yeah, yeah. No, and no. It, that could change. Yeah. And, you know, but it did organ- it did gain traction in that these other things you're saying in that it brought people down there. Right. It's bringing yeah. people, you know, that are, are Bitcoiners here down to the country to visit or to live. Right. So there's traction going on with that. Yeah. And there's also some interesting stuff uh, outside of the crypto world. So, for example, they opened a place called um, the House of Bitcoin, El Casa del Bitcoin. And um, <clears throat> it's this building that they've made into a free to use cafe. So workspace, it has AC, it has Wi-Fi. So any locals that want to start a business, want to do anything, they can go there and it's hundred percent free. You can sit down and just work. Awesome. So, you know, th- there are really cool things going on in the country with, with we, we should go shut up shop down there. <laughs> <laughs> Run our Venera <laughs> shop. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> you said it's free and it's open to everyone. <laughs> I definitely do want to come go down there. So you said these coffee people, they're they're using Bitcoin for allowing people to purchase coffee abroad is what you're saying? For Yeah. So right now I could buy a bag of this coffee. They'll put it in a UPS and send it to me. Just one bag. And then the money goes right to the farmer in the form of lightning or uh, on-chain Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's basically what we're doing. Yeah, basically with. what we're doing. Yeah, Same. we should uh, maybe get us in touch with these people, right? If they're accepting yeah. Bitcoin, why wouldn't they also accept Monero, right? Especially if you teach them how to then convert it into Bitcoin or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yep. But yeah, I mean, one, one of the things too, I don't know how much time we have, but I'll, I'll give you one more kind of fun yeah, anecdote. Yeah. While I was down there, the government of, Bi- of uh, El Salvador actually contacted me. <laughs> oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know what would happen, but I spoke with one of the Congress people who signed the bill basically for Bitcoin in El Salvador. And um, yeah, we had a, we had a conversation and it turned out to be totally fine. He was very nice. He recommended some places for me to, to go check out, treated me very nicely. But what was funny is while he was DMing me and, and being very pleasant and, and kind at the same time on his public Twitter, <laughs> he was posting up. So there's an opposition, people who don't like Naib Kelly. I don't like that political party. They don't like Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. And they call them roaches. It's like the derogatory term for these people that are the opposition. So he was talking about the opposition being roaches and all these. And all I could think of is, um, you know, Biden, who's calling half the country. Right. You know, right, right. It's like, man, <laughs> you really don't like your own citizens You're calling them roaches. But anyway, uh, that's a little that's a little concerning, right? Yeah, a little little concerning. But yeah, so that was interesting. And one other thing I'll say is uh, they have a hospital there, an animal hospital called the Chivo Animal Hospital. And it costs, I think, four million US dollars to build. And the way it works is you can bring your 
animal there and pay 25 cents of Bitcoin and they will treat it. That's it. Only 25 cents. And of course, public funds pay for that. But what Nayib Bukele said about this animal hospital is that it was paid for by the profits of Bitcoin over the past year. I want to know his secret because let me tell you, my portfolio <laughs> is not doing very well. <laughs> So that's obviously a big a big question, and I went that's, there to film. That seems so rent. Why an animal? Huh? I mean, it's cool. It's a cool idea, but like, aren't there like people that just need like actual medical, like medical care, care and stuff? Like, yeah, you wow. think so? <laughs> so who did you learn anything more? about? like, how did that start? Like, I imagine it was some Bitcoiner that was like, "Hey, let's let's start an animal hospital." And I have no idea. That seems kind of random. It's just something he posted on Twitter, and he claims that hundred no tax money was spent. It's a hundred percent profit from Bitcoin. I don't know where the profit's coming from. because. But then, but then when people come in for services, where is the money coming to cover that? That's also being covered. By Bitcoin. <laughs> and really, it's just some political deal where he's funding somebody to run their animal hospital. And then he's getting political donations back from the people that run the animal hospital. So the like, animal hospital is actually right. I mean, that's obviously like a government building. <laughs> and it's, they have heavily armed military guarding it. Okay, it's and not privately run. It's run by the government. Government, yeah. Okay, I'm sure there's mm-hmm. private contractors in there that are getting I'm paid sure, by the yeah. government. Yeah, I'm and sure that's there's where yeah. the official <laughs> veterinarian of El Salvador. Um, so, I mean, what's your so what's your take on him? I mean, is he is he like this this genuine dude who wants to save the world with Bitcoin, or is he like uh, a BTC maxi who just wants the number to go up and is willing to even Know, sacrifice his own country and people for for that like what or is he somewhere in between like what would how do you view this guy what do you think is really motivating him it's a it's a tough question so i'll say this when i was there just um, opinion, I was... just your opinion obviously it's like <clears throat> we, we, we don't know the truth but yeah we'd love to yeah. get your take. well i'll say this when i when i was there i was walking back <clears throat> to my hotel and the security guard stopped me. I was like, Oh great. Here we go. Um, and it turned out he was a fluent English speaker and he's extremely nice. He just wanted to talk. And this guy served in the U S Navy for 22 years. He's like an older guy, right? 22 years service. And then his father was murdered in El Salvador by the, the gangs. So he came back to take care of his family after his father was murdered and uh, he stayed in El Salvador and he, he just works as a security guard now. But he was talking about how because of Nayib Bukele, the streets are safe. He says people like you can now walk around the town. And he says that if Nayib Bukele was here 10 years earlier, his father wouldn't have been killed. So there's no doubt many positives that have come because of Bukele. And there's things that he has done that other leaders haven't been able to do. Other countries haven't been able to do. I can walk around El Salvador with no problem at all. It's one that, for me, I feel completely safe. And that's, that happened because of Bukele. So I think it's, it's very hard to be overly critical of him. Uh, now, he is rounding people up without due process and putting them in jail just because they have tattoos on their face and they think they might be gang members. So obviously, the means aren't the best means. But I would say my impression of Bukele is someone who does have love for his country, Uh, But my sense of him is also that he's vain. He's a populist. He wants to be loved. uh, And he knows best no one else does. And follow him. Uh, 
or face the consequences. So it's hard to say that he's good or bad. Uh, but when you look at the results of the country, you get a mixed bag, but there are positives that are really hard to ignore. Hmm. Great. Yeah. Great take, man. That, that, that's hard to, to disagree with that. Like you said, just the fact that he's cleaning up the country and rebranding basically. Yeah. Like, and, and that's what it's about. Right. I mean, no, you know, no, no political figure, you know, really lives up to the, the true ideals. Right. I mean, you have a few maybe in history. Yeah that come along but uh just the fact that his incentives are aligning in a way where the end result is improvement for the country is a good thing so yeah. it's hard to it's hard it's hard to to not be a proponent in that regard uh, right kelly i agree and i don't know while i was there i kept having this internal conflict where i kept feeling like i was gaslighting myself because at times i would think like why was i scared of Bukele, why was I running, fleeing out of the country last time? Like, maybe it's just, I'm the one who's thinking of myself as this grandiose James Bond spy character running around when really I was never in any danger. And it's stupid of me to have, you know, reacted like that. And, but then, but then I'm like, wait, he, he is literally wiretapping people <laughs> who have less followers than I do on Twitter. And I go to film in front of the Chivo Animal Hospital and I have multiple, uh, it was, they were polite, but I had armed guards tell me I cannot film a publicly funded building on public property on the sidewalk. And that if I filmed the video across the street anywhere, if the building was in any of my video, I would be breaking the law. So when I put out my documentary and I show a clip of the animal hospital from a drone, which they can't stop, then I'm breaking the law. And if I go to El Salvador, I could be tried for that. So it, it's this weird thing where, is he dangerous? Is he crazy? Is he, you know, nice? Does he treat foreigners well? It's hard, it's hard to know. And the, the truth is probably somewhere in between that. You think El Salvador trends towards becoming like the, you know, the Singapore of, of Central America, right? So it's like, it sounds like that's the, you know, the direction he's taking the country in. Like he might become like the ultimate surveillance state, but you know, there, there won't be, you know, he'll get rid of crime. Uh, things will appear to be, you know, great and beautiful on the surface, beautiful place to live, but maybe there'll be like liberties lost a lot along the way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we see now. Obviously there's definitely liberties that are being lost Although it's sort of that age old question, security for privacy, right? <laughs> Do you deserve either? But uh, it's hard to argue where before you could be shot, murdered just for walking home uh, down the street. But now, you know, things, things are fairly safe. So I, I don't know the answer. I don't know if it'll continue getting more, as you put it, surveillance state or not, or if things will relax as, as the country becomes more peaceful, you know, as more uh, crime has stopped. I just don't know. And this opens up a whole nother question, which is what's happening with the Bitcoin city, uh, which is a whole nother topic. Um, uh, comment. This is how you can know Mark is a genuine person. Genuine people self-question and self-reflect. So true, man. You're, you're, you're doing you're, you're doing a good job. You know, you're, you're questioning your, your, your own personal beliefs and perceptions. That's the way to do it. 
Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. That, that was why I went to El Salvador was I don't know what's happening and I want to find out. And it's, it's difficult to know unless you go. So. Exactly. Awesome. All right. I think uh, I, I could, you know, I could talk to you for days, man. I think what we're going to do is we're going to move on to the news. Can you stick around a little bit for, for the yeah. rest of the show? Cool. Awesome. We're going to do the news and then we'll, we'll come back and have a general discussion. Anybody that that's listening that wants to jump up on stage and talk to Mark directly, please do. But let's, let's the move news. on to the weekly news segment with Tony. And now for our weekly news segment. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. First of all, good to see you guys. Good to see you, Mark. I know last time we talked was in Monero Topia, and yep. he's mentioned that you were going to go to El Salvador. And I was wondering what James Bond escape you're going to do next time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy to know that everything was okay and you're safe. And um, yeah, it's very interesting. And um, I can't imagine being at Wendy's for 40 minutes just to, you know, just to eat. <laughs> for the Bitcoin to process, essentially. Well, you starving. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. And be- actually, before I get into the news, I want to mention... So this summer I've been to Albania and Eastern Europe is very cash dominant, but Albania specifically is so cash dominant that I was un- unable to do anything without cash mm. in the capital and nowhere. Like I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep anywhere. I couldn't do anything unless I had cash. Oh, wow. So it's interesting. very interesting. That was Albania? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about Lebanon in a bit and their inflation, their situation with the banks. But I really can't imagine taking cash from Albania or countries in Eastern Europe. I think when that day is going to come, we're going to see very heavy uprisal because they don't take card at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I didn't have cash. And I couldn't eat until I had a, uh, an ATM. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Awesome. But yeah, so let's get into today's news. To begin, Huobi Global, which is an exchange, centralized exchange, is delisting a lot of um, privacy cryptocurrencies such as Dash, DCR, FireXMR, XVGs, ZC, and Zen. Of course, of, of course, Monero is the only one that is private by default. <laughs> and um, Dash used to be called Darkcoin, but faced some pressure, and now it's Dash. It's not Darkcoin anymore. It's kind of did funny. It, name. Didn't Dash even come out and say, uh, "We just want to let everybody know we're not a privacy coin" when they were yeah. listed from some of the other exchanges? Okay. I think I think so. I think yeah, yeah, because I think they they're they're facing pressure, and they wanted to let people know we're not privacy anymore. We're not a privacy coin, you know. We're fine. We change our name. We're Dash. It's cool. Yeah, never heard of Zen before, so I'm not sure about that. But you know, they took it off, which is a good thing, because now you're forced even more to buy Monero from local Monero, and you know, not from centralized exchanges. So non KYC. So this is overall a good thing. It's not a big thing. But now Flipper Zero. I know about Flipper Zero since they're on Kickstarter. It's basically like a rectangular device that is used to capture frequencies and emit them back. So for example, you can open a car with this thing, or you can change the TV stations, you can open hotel rooms, you can do all kinds of stuff. It's a very cool uh, device. Uh, But PayPal has blocked their business and they're holding $1.3 million from them for the past two months, and they're not even explaining why. And um, we've had, we have had uh, people from the Monero community, you know, say, use Monero, accept Monero. So, you, you know, these things won't happen because you're in your own custody and you don't need to go for a centralized entity to trust your money. But th- this is insane. This is truly insane. And um, 
yeah, I hope the best for the company and I hope that they'll come out of it somehow. And I'm not sure. Maybe they'll accept Monero someday. I'm not sure. They'll be. Did they, did they start accepting crypto? No, but a lot of people have been mentioning Bitcoin and Monero in the comment section. And uh, they're also in the beginning. So, you know, they're not an old company. And this, is, this really sucks for them. And they also had other hurdles. So yeah. hopefully maybe they'll accept at least Bitcoin or, you know, some cryptocurrency. Why are they blocking this? Because because they're saying this is you know this tool is used for for bad things or something. I have no idea. I've uh... what what is it exactly? Zipper. What what is Zipper? Flipper Zero. It's essentially a device using penetration. Te- you can use it for penetration testing for sure. Um, so for example, if I take this device and I put it near your car key, mm-hmm. I capture your frequency, and now I can open your car anytime I want. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, it's just capturing frequencies, you know. Right, right, right. You could have done that before also, but now it's, you know, more convenient. Yeah. <laughs> but you do need to, like, you can't just open any car. You need to go to someone's specific car key, activate it to capture it, mm-hmm. and then you can actually. But I've seen people open hotel rooms with it, like their own hotel rooms, so they don't need their card. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on Walmart and shut off TVs and all kinds of stuff. It's a cool device, but you know and it's legal like it's a legal device mm-hmm. so i'm not sure and they're not even sure why uh this has happened but yeah centralized entities what can you do about it right that's Monero's that's... fixing this interesting all right yeah now let's see yeah so let's talk about lebanon before because i have a lot of stuff about ethereum so let's talk about lebanon essentially this video talks about how since 2019, Lebanon has been placing a 90% inflation in their currency, which is a lot. And I do have a friend that lives there. And, you know, life is very difficult. Two thirds of the population are living below the, the poverty line. And this is insane. So not only do they not have money to sustain themselves, but now they can't even withdraw their money. So because banks are all insolvent. So now, because a lot of people have been robbing banks, breaking into the banks, which is a normal thing because they're holding their money. Now Lebanon is closing all banks in the whole country for three days, I guess, to see what they can do about the situation. But they're just not giving people their money, which is insane. Just so, another example of traditional fiat being a broken system. Yeah, broken system. It's failing all across. I mean, Turkey is facing a high inflation. Argentina, like always. Uh, and poor people, you know. It's a beautiful country for sure. And it's very unfortunate. So I'm not sure where this is going to go. Is is crypto adoption growing in Lebanon? I mean, I, I don't know if you know. I'm not entirely sure, but I do hope so, because that's going to help them a lot to get out of the inflationary system. So I do hope so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. On to the next thing. This was very interesting. I dropped on September 13, 2022 from Magic uh, Grants Board. So this is a funded research paper on Monero ring signatures, resiliency to AI analysis. I like the title of the paper. It's Lord of the Rings, an empirical analysis of Monero's ring signature, resilience to artificially intelligent attacks. And Justin interviewed a little bit the person behind the research and, you know, he asked him what inspired him to do the work and uh, he wanted to contribute his skills to Monero. I suppose he likes Monero, which is awesome. And but to summarize, to summarize uh, the results, I'll, I'm just going to read this paragraph. 
Uh, the results show that with 11 ring members, public information on the Monero could aid an attacker in predicting the true spend of a transaction greater than the random guessing probability of 9%, one out of 11. With this model, the likelihood of a correct guess grew to 13.3%, a modest increase. But this is based on the 11 ring number um, size, and now we're to 16. So yeah. it should be like significantly lower, but not only that, we're not stopping at 16 because we're just gonna you know, increase and increase and increase it over time because technology is becoming better and better also. The one yeah. good good to see though that you know we have people like this that are like you said looking to study monero and essentially try, try to break it right that, yeah that was good who was what's the guy's name or what, what does he go by ackj that's an interesting uh yeah ackj so yeah maybe i could try to get him on uh do a monero talk or something yeah for sure that'll be very interesting like it's always important to even if you like a product try to break it because then you can see what's wrong with it. It's mm -hmm. not that you don't like it, it's just that you try to improve it. So I'm very happy that this got funded and that a person did it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is very big. So definitely read this article uh, if you have time. Now, one very big thing which is going to shift the whole space as we know it is uh, the Ethereum merge from a proof of stake system to a proof of, uh, proof of work system to a proof of stake system. So essentially, you don't get to vote with the CPU and the GPU anymore. You get to vote by how much money you have under the mattress, basically. And those people are going to dictate the future of the network, which is, you know, this is not a democracy. It's not a decentralized democracy where free people have their hands up to have it down and, you know, the majority wins. It's not going to be like this anymore. And I really see big institutions coming in putting a lot of money, having a big stake, and then turning Ethereum and the whole space, because it's the second biggest cryptocurrency, turning the whole space towards a centralized, you know, controlled system. And we're basically going backwards instead of the other way, the revolution and owning, being self-sovereign and everything. So I'm not sure how this is going to go, but WEF also likes it. Um, <laughs> That is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see Sorry, Raphael tweet. <laughs> oh my god! I've seen Raphael tweet this, and I thought it was super fun. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's go into actually let's world move economic. On. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, it is one more time. That's it. Okay, go ahead. Well, the World Economic Forum likes it, uh, which is already <laughs> which is already a bad sign. But of course, they. They talk about how it's sustainable and it cut it energy usage by 99.95%. But now what I'm curious is what's going to happen to all the CPUs and GPUs that have been used to mine Ethereum? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to that? Yeah, nobody knows. All right, we'll see, right? They're starting to mine, I guess, the, uh, the forks of Ethereum, right? And I guess. Mm. Yeah. I guess, but I'm really not sure what's going to happen. The day we'll see World Economic Forum post an article about Monero, I don't know. You know, if they post an article about something, that means that it's probably a bad thing, <laughs> and it's not going to go towards. Um... Yeah, it's kind of the ultimate. You know, you know how Bitcoin. We're, we're always kind of criticizing Bitcoin for for being number go up technology, and that's being the focus of what how they make their design decisions. I yes. mean, this is kind of the, uh, uh, an even more. Uh, 
ultimate example of that. So it's like competing with where I think this is interesting is starting to compete with Bitcoin on being the most number go up coin, right? To the point where it's it's sacrificing its ability to even truly be decentralized, saying get rid of proof of work. We're going to be proof of stake, which is more friendly to governments and regulators. So now it's going to be embraced by them. So now big money can come into it without without worry. And then also it, it eliminates some of the it defangs the crypto as well, where it's less of a threat to governments because it's no longer truly decentralized. And it just becomes, you know, what's concerning about it is it's it's number go up tech. Right. So we're here. We're saying, oh, it's not going to be as decent. But. That doesn't mean it's not going to go up in price. If anything, it, it may go up more in price because of this. And that might be the kind of the whole agenda. And as it does, it just becomes really less of a, a true crypto. But it's also competing with Bitcoin for, for that mantle of being the number go up crypto. So it's it's interesting there. I mean, because if it does topple Bitcoin or takes over Bitcoin, like then what, what is Bitcoin, right? If it's no longer the, the store of value coin. And it's not really working as digital cash either. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But you know, now people are, I don't think it was an article, but I've seen people mention big uh, institutions trying to make Bitcoin change the code into POS from yeah. proof of work to be more governmental, uh, governmentally friendly and all this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean... You'll probably see a P- proof of stake Bitcoin fork. Oh God, yeah, yeah, I've, uh, yeah I, maybe <laughs> I'm not sure, but the most, you know, I'm not, I'm less concerned about the number go up part in Bitcoin because it has a proof of work system, so it's less threatening. I mean, if you want to pull your money into that and hope it goes up, worst case you lose your money <laughs> if it doesn't. But with this, you know, I mean, obviously the people, the people that have the most amount of money are the big institutions. And they're going to pump their money into it. And if they can somehow attract the people into it and get us to be on the system, then they'll get to choose the future and everything. So that's more concerning. Mm-hmm. And, and the way the, right. And it also, it, it, it incentivizes people to, to lock up. There's less liquidity, right? Through, through the proof of stake system. So that also ties into number go up, right? It's basically reducing their supply. Yes, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. So, yeah, and Vitalik seems to, you know, obviously like it and be pro this thing. So I'm really not sure how this is going to go. And so I'm very curious of how this is going to change the whole space. But when the merge dropped, and of course, World Economic Forum dropped that article, and also Rafael, the picture, let's show it again. But <laughs> I really like it. It's fun. <laughs> Sorry, it's just Move funny. on. I'm moving on, I'm moving on. <laughs> As he um, hits that tab. <laughs> I'll do it again. I'll do it now. <laughs> so on the same week, the SEC dropped a couple new regulations. I don't think they're dropped, but they're in the talks. So basically, they want banks to list crypto as liabilities rather than assets. And what uh, Scott Milker said, this means that no major bank will custody crypto because they'll need to hold cash equivalent to the crypto in custody. And they don't even hold the cash equivalent to what you have in the bank because they operate under a fractional reserve. So I'm not sure how this is going to go, but also now Ethereum could be a security now that it moved to proof of stake. That's what Gensler said. And I'll click on the article in a bit. But also another thing dropped from the White House imploring every agency with a three or four letter name to crack down while pushing a CBDC and Fed now. So if you go on the link, 
the digital economy should work for all Americans. That means developing financial services that are secure, okay, reliable, affordable, and accessible. Uh, for the plan is for 2023 to launch uh, the Fed now, an instantaneous 24 out of seven interbank clearing system that will further advance nationwide infrastructure for instant payments alongside blah blah blah. But also predatory financial practices. Yeah, so basically they're using crypto. I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're. I don't know how to how to verbalize it. Uh, they're basically pushing their own system. They're not really pushing crypto per se. Mm-hmm. They might cast a couple of things which are friendly or maybe not, but they're just trying to pass their own CBDC and their own uh, digital economy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Powell came out. He was uh, interviewed by. He was in, did an interview with Cato, the Cato Institute, and he he brought up uh, central bank digital currencies too, and talking about how you know they're continuing to work on it. And what's interesting is one of the things he talked about was privacy and how you mm-hmm. know that's fundamental. So you know, a central bank digital currency uh, will will have to somehow maintain privacy. But then he also measured it against. But it will also have to be built in a way where uh, you know people can't use it for nefarious things. So how, how you how you do that without it essentially being controlled and observable by by the government, I do not know. He's basically admitting that that's exactly what, what it will be. While he, he likes to pretend that there's, there's some care for, you know, providing people with, with privacy. So it's, we're definitely moving in this direction. It's coming down the pipe. I think it's going to take take some time though to see a, a central bank digital currency issued by the by the U.S. Though that's going to be, I think we're at least I'd say five years out. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Well, that that kind of sounds like Zcash. Like that's exactly what Zcash is. But before I answer that, I think I'm not sure what they're going to build this CBDC on. Maybe Ethereum, Algorand. I'm not sure what they'll choose. Maybe their own blockchain but i don't think it's gonna you know i don't think we'll see any cbdc by next year it seems just to five years is a long time and now that'll be 2027 i think five years is a long time like things has changed dramatically in two years yeah maybe like three years at most i think five right. is too long yeah i don't know governments move slow and they're probably going to want to see how other governments handle it and I don't know unless they're pressured to, unless they 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 need to because of uh, because you know other governments are are issuing these things and they're gaining traction and they feel like there's a, there's a need to push everybody into this U.S. Bitcoin before you know other other countries uh, get get too large and powerful. Maybe maybe that can prompt them and push them to do it faster. It's yeah. definitely moving in that direction. Yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. And I don't think it's gonna be. That's why I'm like, you know, I'm really not. Um, I don't think Bitcoin is gonna become the reserve, you know, currency and all this stuff. I really don't believe that. You know, I think they're just gonna push their own stuff ultimately, and maybe try to play, be friends with this technology. But you know, people think, oh, proof of stake, environmentally friendly, finally, blah blah. But they don't see the behind the scene things. And the way they're trying to push this technology. So that's going to be interesting. Also, I do want to mention, because I've been to quite a bit of countries this summer in Europe, and it's very interesting to see the mindset of the West versus the East, because you kind of have, you kind of see two diametrically opposed mindsets. In the East is more cash dominant. They think more for themselves. And in the West, you know, they're becoming more digitalized, more surveilled. And also society is a bit more different, maybe because Eastern Europe has been through communism, and we've seen a lot, so we're more 
you know, we're more careful with things. But for example, in Norway, I think it's implemented. I think they check your purchases. And if you buy, for example, you buy more meat than you're supposed to, and it goes over the energetic expenditure allowance or whatever, then you're going to be taxed more or something. So it's definitely pushed towards this. Oh, yeah, which is the ultimate dystopia, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Control, controlling how people use their money and controlling how people uh, use their, you know, are able to use energy. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So you, you no longer have free will over uh, what energy can, you know, what you can use your energy and resources towards. So the government then decides and regulates what the best use case is for, because, you know, energy is, is at a shortage. So we need to, we need to make sure we, you know, we, we allocate it properly, which is complete, complete bullshit. It's a complete made up thing for purposes of control. There's an infinite amount of energy out there, right? Uh, and human ingenuity just always leads towards the, the more efficient creation of more energy. And then we have this backwards take where governments are saying, well, the way we solve this isn't by creating new technologies to, to create more to create more and cheaper energy. Rather, we, we try to regulate the usage of it and determine who can use it for what. It's yeah. terrifying that, that that narrative is gaining traction. Yeah, on on a global level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, before before I was to be happy. Oh wow, they care about the environment and they're doing this and that. But not really. They're just pushing their agenda and surveillance in the in the name of saving the world and everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Nikola Tesla could have given us free energy, but that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, this week's news. We did a lot, man. We covered, we covered a lot. A lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. That was a lot. That was a lot. But you did it, it well. It was like a lot of stuff. Right? <laughs> oh my god! You had to. You had to. Okay. <laughs> that pig went viral. Oh my god! I know. It took over the internet. Oh gosh! All right. But yeah. So, yeah. We'll move on to the viewers on stage segment. Let's do it. So Let's do it. Stick around if you want, Tony. All right. Okay. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. (laughs) It's so cheesy. Anybody that wants to jump up, talk to Mark, talk to Tony, talk to us. Now's the time, guys. Now's the time. Jump on up. I put the link in the chat. For those of you that want to jump on, say hello. There is someone in the waiting room. Sandra, John. We, jo- oh, we have a Johnny. Keloto. Hi. Oh, I think Hi, you were on last week. Hello. Last week. Yes, you were. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks. I was listening around while I was browsing and stuff. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, is my sound okay? Yeah, yes, sounds sound great. Okay, you want you on? You want to bring up any comments, anything you want to ask Mark anything or bring up anything with regards to what we're talking about in this week's news? Oh, um, well, look, first off, Tony, uh, lock at on the image on Twitter earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got a quick question for Mark, especially on the, it's less about the current El Salvador thing, but rather on its what it can happen in the future if any hypothetical other country would do the same. On their end, say, say if hypothetically anyone would lobby for a cryptocurrency-based system, 
would it be possible that it would use it would use BTC or any or any crypto chained related cryptocurrency on on governments and then Monero on its private citizens or would there be any implications on that? So <clears throat> if I understand your question correctly, you're saying, do I think any other country will implement Bitcoin as their national currency and that will pre- that will exclude other chains? Is, is that what you what you mean? Yeah, but mostly for government officials for their for the sake of transparency and stuff. However, say it would use a different chain such as Monero for its private citizens for the private sector on its citizens instead, or something similar. Yeah, I mean that would be pretty ideal, right? Where the government everything would be transparent. And then private citizens are private. For me, that would be the best system. I just don't see that would be the case. It seems like any kind of government body that would want to have cryptocurrency would be doing it to uh, decrease the clarity of their own body while uh, in- increasing the transparency of, of their citizens. That seems to be the, the the trend of governments, although maybe that's too cynical of, of me to say. But I think with El Salvador, countries down there were watching what was happening and, and seeing whether the gamble into Bitcoin would pay off. I, I remember maybe you guys do too. Panama was talking about making uh, Bitcoin a currency down there uh, and some other countries too, although they were going to make it, if I recall, open to, to more chains than just, than just one. So I think that with how the market went and how Bitcoin seems to have fizzled out in El Salvador. It's going to be a tough sell to bring crypto to other countries in the region just because um, it hasn't paid off, but maybe in the future that changes. But um, I mean, for me, what makes the most sense is if a country is going to, let's say, allow the use of cryptocurrencies, then it shouldn't pick chains. It should be the market that decides. And if private citizens value their privacy, then obviously Monero is an excellent uh, choice, but anyway, I don't know if I answered your question or not. But. Nah, I nah, I can't blame him much on that. Uh, it's just <laughs> me. it's just me thinking of ideal situations for governments and citizens to work along with their stuff. But all things considered, what I see in my, what I see that's most likely going to happen is should any other country go for it they would go with the surveillance state route in which they would keep track of the citizens the citizens assets and and governments would most likely use something like monero which is going to be cynical and crazy but it's going to be what is going to it can happen is what i'm saying yeah i mean i i kind of see it as you know monero being being the the, the crypto that's that's going to gain grassroots adoption out of out of a true need you know so it's not by governments taking any action but out of out of a need because people need to send money without censorship you know from and and they need digital cash right as we as we enter this digital realm uh, you know tony's talking about countries where people are, are only accept cash so out of this pure need and want for for the utility you get out of being able to anonymously transact with another people will move towards Monero, which will make it kind of this grassroots coin. And then Bitcoin being, you know, similar to what we saw down in El Salvador, embraced by 
by by governments and wanting you know wanting their people to use that, but people people that actually are are using it out of an out of a, a true need will will tend towards something like Monero, and then it'll just be a, a you know be a matter of time for how long it takes for you know the tr- you know the it to grow enough where um it, it starts to seep into the mainstream. That's that's kind of how I see it going going down. And then like you said, I mean ultimately governments are gonna want a tool like Monero themselves, just like they use Tor, right? And so the only way that works is if it's adopted on a global scale, right? Because they're gonna, you know, if cash no longer exists, governments won't have the ability to use it either. And they like cash, you know, they like showing up with suitcases of cash in certain places to do certain things or whatever, whatever it is they need to do to, to move money around. They're going to need a way to do that in, in digital form as well. They're going to need a, a cash utility, but you know, that doesn't come until, you know, it's, it's widely adopted enough on the, on the grassroots level. It's kind of, kind of how I see it playing out. Yeah, that is true. So I just sincerely hope for the best. And if there would be any uh, other countries that would be open for crypto adoption, uh, I sincerely hope it's going to be market-based instead of favoring certain cryptos instead. So thank you so much, Duncan, again, for get being in here. And jeez. Uh, any other Esperanto lessons for us? You're, you're the guy that speaks fluent yeah. Esperanto, right? Oh, to be honest, uh, I am nothing more than a comment santo, or as we call it for beginners. So maybe not today. <laughs> <laughs> for next time. <laughs> well, I was impressed last time. That's for sure. Yeah, Duncan. All right. <laughs> hey, anybody else's comments there? How do you guys see it working out? Do you guys agree with some of the, some of those ideas that I, that I was expressing there? Johnny, since it's here, did you fix yes, it? Yes, pretty much. I believe uh, that uh, everything will start uh, at the dark uh, black market, you know, and uh, slowly I hope adoption will happen. Uh, I want to ask uh, Mark, how do you believe uh, adoption will happen and if it's possible for you to happen? How, sh- how should the community uh, get involved to make the message uh, clear? What do you believe? Uh, how do you believe adoption will happen? Just in general, or do you mean specific to Bitcoin and El Salvador? Anything uh, that gets us away from fiat. If it's Bitcoin, Monero, how do you believe uh, uh, we can get people to understand the message that fiat is basically the devil, you know? Yeah, I think time is on our side. That's one thing, right? Which is the longer that goes on, the more value our fiat loses it's natural that people will start to look into alternatives, right? So as you mentioned, the dark market with Bitcoin is how it started. Originally, people, even me, when I heard about Bitcoin at the beginning, I was like, oh, that's stupid. This is like drug money that I would never use to buy stuff online in the dark market. Um, but it showed that it had utility. And as time has gone on, that has manifested itself into Bitcoin be- becoming obviously a very big coin. Of course, now Bitcoin, I would argue, doesn't have... The, the utility that it did, especially being non-fungible and, and, um, and some of the other, the other issues with it. So time, time is on our side, I guess, uh, as far as crypto adoption goes. As far as in, in the early stages, one thing that was really smart about how Bitcoin went to El Salvador and the adoption and it didn't need to be Bitcoin. It could have been anything. Nano could have gone down there first is they were able to find a small community 
and implement a system that made sense. So, right, here's the issue, right? You can do onboarding. You can get a bunch of merchants to accept, let's say, Monero or Bitcoin or anything. But if there's no demand, then having a bunch of supply of all these different merchants that accept it really isn't that uh, interesting. But what they did was they went to a nonprofit that needed to spend money. They needed to hire staff. They needed to, uh, it's called Hope House, pay for equipment, pay for you know services and goods. And they said, okay, well, we'll provide this to you. We'll, we'll give you the money. But the uh, catch is you can't convert it into dollars. You actually have to spend it as Bitcoin. So if it was Monero that went down to the Bitcoin beach a few years ago, then it's very possible uh, that the entire country of El Salvador would be on a Monero uh, mandate, which would be kind of ironic, but uh, you know it, it is what it is. So I think that um, local small communities and getting them maximized on that currency is maybe more effective than kind of a blanket approach where you have merchants here and there. Easier said than done, obviously. But awesome, definitely, awesome. definitely yeah. good points. Johnny, you had a question or a comment? Uh, just a comment to, to Tony. So so I live in Norway and I don't think there's any signs of any, what do you call it, like any quota on, on certain foods like meat or uh, so. It, it might be in the future, but I haven't seen any signs of that in, in, in Norway. Yeah, I know I've seen an article and I don't think it said that it was implemented, but that they were in the talks or something like that. Hopefully not. It sounds really horrible. Yeah, so I, I try to be on a low low media diet, so of course it might be something something I've missed. So, well, there was there they did take action. Was it Norway where they're basically uh, the government's getting data over how everybody all the foods that everybody's buying in supermarkets? Was that, was uh, that Norway? Norway is super into stati- statistics, so. Right. So there's a central agency that collects uh, lots of data. And um, right, and recently they moved towards improving their ability to to surveil how what what groceries people are buying, right? Yeah. So I assume that the the, the, the stores that sells uh, food and the producers reports to the central agency to to tell them like what kind of food they are selling and, and things like that. So, um, so I assume that that, that data is uh, available today. Like how much apples do we import? How, how much uh, strawberries do we sell? Like uh, things like that. But I, I don't think it's on per person, but I think it's more like aggregated per month or mm-hmm. per quarter. Yeah, I think, I think that's where some of these... Uh thoughts are coming from that they might transition into you know maybe putting quotas on 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 what foods people can buy and how much and so i I think that's where where these uh you know allegations are are stemming from yeah and uh, and the point about uh, about adoption so i think uh, three weeks ago i went to st martin and um, explored the the island for 12 days and um, yeah, so I was only showing up. I forgot my uh, my wallet uh, in my apartment in Norway. So then I was actually on, only brought uh, Bitcoin Cash, and uh, so I think adoption is super hard. I think it's um, so. There's been people 
uh, onboarding, lots of businesses. But it's only not the onboarding. It's like you need to train staff. You need to also let the staff know that you accept Bitcoin um, or Monero. So, uh, and also like uh, when I, if, if the locals doesn't use it, then, then it's like once like um, uh, the foreigners show up one time and then they spend it, but there's nothing more happen. Uh, then it's, then the, Adoption will go back to to what what it was before um, before the onboarding. So so I think uh, I think it's it's better to have businesses that uh, accept uh, Monero for like years instead of having uh, lots of adoption in the beginning and then then it goes back to zero again. So yeah. what what do you see as maybe solving that issue? Like so then so how do you create adoption where they're using it for for years what what's the, the sweet sweet spot there what who who are these early adopters like uh, like years ago i used bitcoin a lot i was like uh, my, my phone was just full of uh, transactions so so in 2013 and 14 and 15 there was lots of uh, adoption in in bitcoin so i assume that that adoption is is uh, probably possible in 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 other chains but my 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 idea is maybe maybe a, a big exchange or coinbase or whatever launches an alternative to google pay or apple pay where where people can like uh, so so one issue with uh, st martin was like some of the supermarkets or or um, stores stopped accepting Bitcoin Cash or post it because they accepted uh, cryptocurrencies and then the price went down and then they they're like oh no I lost money on it and uh, we're we're pausing it and and some are like we're waiting till it's more stable so so we can accept it uh, uh, in the future so but but if a if a big uh, exchange is is um, is making some some products that makes it easier for businesses to accept and they can of course have like this uh, store the value in dollar or uh, local uh, local currency I, I think it's super hard uh, to, to 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 make the adoption so what's what's the feel like in nor are there are there is there a large crypto scene in norway people that believe in kind of like the the underlying ideals of what crypto is meant to be i mean you know in, uh, ensuring that we have some digital cash utility is there do people believe in that concept in norway i think it's that i and i have onboarded some local or there was some Restaurants accepting crypto uh, a while ago, but I stopped accepting uh, because there, no one was paying with crypto. It was like me and some friends, and um, so so I think most Norwegians use credit card. And um, right, but that's what I'm saying. But are, are there is there like a, at least some portion of the population that's concerned about the fact that everybody's gone completely digital over there and like oh we need some alternative where the government can't surveil our transaction or is everybody's like oh well whatever it's, it's just good the government's collecting data it's just going to lead to more efficiency and is or or is there some 
section of the of of the Norwegian you know community that's you know concerned that essentially cash is no longer used there. Um, yeah, I, I belong to a Facebook group uh, where they, they want to. So there, there's a law in Norway uh, that is like all businesses need to accept uh, cash, but there's businesses that don't accept cash, and so people threatening to 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 find them, but but nothing happens. So so maybe it's it's the same in, in El Salvador that you have you have a law. Some businesses break it, but nothing happens. Uh, so, so it's. I, I think the the crypto in Norway is is more about the price, like in investment. Um, it, it's like very okay. few pe- people want to spend it. it it's kind of like. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, that's that's the gen- That's that's uh, unfortunately that's the global majority, right? <laughs> Most people are are just in it for the price and the speculation. Somebody's asking, Doug, do you still go to shops and onboard folks with Cake Wallet? Also, if so, have you done it since the Cake Wallet update to show them the possible ways they could use it through the Cake Pay gift card? Yeah, I do. I do. I haven't been tweeting about it as much, but yeah, I'm always right. I mean, it's it's part of my life. So yes, it is. Yes. If I <laughs> if I do go and and buy something somewhere at a restaurant, I'm always having a Monero conversation, trying to convince the waiter to accept the tip in crypto, or let's say, always do it. I mean, sometimes, uh, sometimes I might be a little too exhausted <laughs> and don't feel like engaging in conversation. Yeah, because it's, it's for the never most like part, two seconds. It's, it's, like it's part, yeah, for entire sure. And, and the cake pay it. thing definitely uh, helps in that regard because when they when they turn around and say, "Well, now what do I do with it?" You could, in addition to saying, you know, use it for when somebody else is willing to accept Monero, which is you know the standard answer, right? Uh, just use it like cash. Find somebody else that's willing to accept Monero. Uh, you could say you you can now just use it to to purchase. You know, you could buy an Amazon gift card or or, or one of these other hundred thousand gift cards or with your Cold Stone um, so. gift card. Cold Stone, yeah. <laughs> so it, yes, yes, I still do one hundred percent. The short answer is yes. Although I'm a little reluctant to spend my Monero these days, but uh, I'll I'll replenish you know as I go along with my fiat. <laughs> so that that's fine. Too funny. Well, uh, all right. All right. Yeah. Anybody yeah, else want to bring it? This is this is a long, yeah. long show marathon. I feel like people are running out of steam here. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long one. Thank you guys, one, guys. I hope... for pulling through. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good episode. Any other comments? Yeah. Anything Any anybody want to bring up before we close, before we close it out? Close it out. Uh, yes. I, I want to say that uh, we basically need to shield the way Monero can be useful. Like I remember when the SegWit came like adoption grew because you could have like cheaper uh, transaction fees and with taproot we don't see the uh, the same adoption because for people it's not as useful mm-hmm. and uh, i think the way monero is useful and it needs to be uh, more useful than like the drawback that it's not stable is that basically like in tyrannical situations like I mean, pay your taxes. You should pay taxes, but like it, um, it gives the possibility to uh, make a transaction, and this information stay, stay in secret between you and the counterparty. You know, so that would be like the advantage I see. I don't think that. I mean, you understand what I'm saying. You're saying get that message across the importance of of digital cash and why people should want to transact 
Yes. And maintain their privacy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Definitely agree. We got to. Yeah. That 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 is the message, right? We need to find people that 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 care about cash, right? And most people do. They don't even realize they do. But uh, like they, you know, a lot of people like like Tony was saying. There's 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 entire countries that completely. It's part of. It's integral to their culture. They. If you if you went up to them and said, "All right, now imagine a world where the government no longer allows you to use cash," they'd be like, "What? No way!" So that that's that that's human nature in general. More there are some countries where that where that nature has been allowed to to you know kind of uh, to grow and flourish. But I think that's that's innate in, in pretty much everyone. And really, what that is 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 just this this desire for liberty. Right? You have your money; you should be able to use it as you wish. Uh, some people have been fooled into giving that up at a, for conveniences, like we're hearing from in Norway, right? Everybody's using their credit cards. You know, we're guilty of it here, right? I mean, it, most people in New York just use credit cards, but that's yes. really out of a convenience. People aren't realizing what that's leading to and what's ultimately going to get sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And that's what Ian's saying we need to stress, which is if you like this concept of cash, you're probably going to want to support Monero because cash isn't going to exist in the future. Oh. And uh, I think that's a good way of <laughs> tying it all together. Thank you so much. Any, you anybody else? Any last words, Mark, you have anything you want to, you want to say before we close it out? Anybody? Yeah. First off, thank you for allowing me back on the show. It's great to see you guys again. Um, I did want to tell everyone in the audience here that my video on Monerotopia will be coming out on my channel. So if you want to see what I learned about Monero, which is a lot, I didn't know that it did CPU mining. I didn't know what ring signatures, none of this stuff I knew. So uh, if you or anyone you know who doesn't know anything about Monero and wants to learn about it and you want to have them watch my video where I learn it alongside them, it's it's a great way to to introduce people to Monero, I think. And, and uh, thank you to Doug and uh, Sanita for doing such a great job with the convention and obviously inviting me. So uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah man. No, thank, thank can't you. Can't wait to see the video. Yeah, can't wait to we, see the we, video. We know you do amazing work. So yeah, can't wait to check it out. I guess once out. it's uh published, send me the link so I can put it in these show notes as well as obviously we'll help tweet it out. But yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you at Monerotopia. So and thank you for coming on. You're always welcome to join us again in the future. <laughs> as <you>. everyone else. <laughs> thank you, Tony. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Johnny. And thank you all to our viewers for watching us today. And you know surviving the two hours which was, it was an awesome show though <laughs> we got we got to go hang out with family folks yeah, Rec- but- suggested you do the same go enjoy your day go enjoy your weekend and you said thank you everybody T- tony great job on the news mark always welcome ian i love you pop up, popping up here great takes johnny thanks for for giving us the update on norway and yeah again like we always say please like the show and please subscribe if you haven't because it helps grow the show so thank you guys we'll see you next week adios cheers Thank you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.